0: I'm Dr. Gene Hempster For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions.
1: This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, February 29, 2020.
0: You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Jesse Thomas. Hey, Jesse.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. And uh, Melanie Wells. Hey, Troy. Good morning. uh, How are you today? I'm great. Awesome. So, uh, you know, we're all smiles and bubbles and, you know, sunshine today. And why? Why?
2: It's a leap year. <laughs> That's right.
0: It's it February twenty ninth. It is, and uh, you know, it's uh, it. These shows don't happen hardly ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get the opportunity once every four years, but how often is it that our show is aired on the twenty ninth
2: mm-hmm. on Saturday? I mean, yeah.
0: It's a very You're special right. show. You're right. So, uh, uh, welcome to our our leap show. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean just because the market's down, anything crazy is going to happen. Just so you know.
2: We'll try and keep it tame.
0: That's right. All right, so, uh, yeah, the the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the market,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is down. So what does that mean? Uh year to date, we're down, lost almost 6%. Um, you know, it's been a bit volatile of late. Uh, coronavirus is getting all the blame, and I think... Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a trigger, to be honest with you. Um, If you look at what we've got over the last 12 months, still 10.5%. And what is our annual expectation for a financial market? It's about 10.5%, right? Mm -hmm. That's a long-term average uh, annualized number, especially when you look at the longer term, like a 10-year rolling average uh, annualized at about 10.6%. Strangely enough today, ten point six one percent How about that oh, there
3: we go.
0: over the last twelve months um if you look just in the last few days though we've lost over ten uh, over ten percent and um you know the news truly is uh this virus that came originally out of China, and what are we going to do and um, you know I, it's it's easy to say that the the common flu uh, is more more detrimental to human life right. on an annual basis, but um, you know this is something a little bigger, something that we're not sure of, and we don't have any vaccines to try to keep it in check. So uh, people are getting a little bit, a little bit skittish. Um, right.
2: So do we think it's a lot of the uncertainty that's really kind of triggering some of this? Is just you know we don't know what's going to happen if it's yeah. going to come here, when it's going to come here, how bad right. it's going to be if it comes here.
0: Yeah, instead of talking about the one that's currently before us, why don't we talk about a little bit of history? I mean, um, 2016, I think it was, in the fall, uh, we had Ebola come to the United States. Um, We had a doctor from the U.S. who had traveled to Africa, West Africa, where they were having all kind of issues with Ebola. Um, Once that news started rolling for about a month and a half, we saw the market decline just as it's doing now mm-hmm. um and it the the very day that the, I think we had two patients maybe three with Ebola in the US uh the doctor I'm talking about a nurse that actually um cared for him mm-hmm. and then you know maybe another person but as soon as that nurse who had cared for him uh got out of quarantine and everything was fine, and nothing mm. happened beyond that. The market started going up immediately. Right. We had lost right at ten percent, you know, in in the yeah. in the downturn during that period. So, um, it, it's not uncommon for these things to happen. Um, the one thing that I'll say is it's not all Ebola, and I mean it's not it's not <laughs> at all <laughs> Ebola this time, but it's not all coronavirus. And the reason that I say that is, uh, I've, I've been ringing this bell for a while about Mm -hmm. economic conditions, about, uh, you know, earnings conditions. Uh, Last year, the market was up 31.5%, give or take a few basis points. Um, Mm -hmm. And earnings were basically flat. We got like 1% earnings growth in 2019. Now, that might, you know, seem reasonable to some people, (laughs) not me.
1: Uh,
0: You have uh, what we call price-to-earnings, a ratio expansion, uh, during a period like that. And, you know, the the case could be made that the market's forward-looking. So we're toward the end of fourth quarter earnings uh, mm-hmm. reporting. Uh, we've had like 473 of the S&P 500 stocks report earnings on the whole are up 0.61%. Not 61%, 0. <laughs> 0.61%. <laughs> 061 why in the world would we have had thirty one and a half percent last year with no growth during the year and no mm-hmm. growth you know now in what we know was the fourth quarter um and and what's even stranger is technology was up fifty and a half percent the sector itself in two thousand nineteen um earnings until this point were absolutely flat first quarter two thousand uh fourth quarter two thousand nineteen which we are wrapping up now, shows earnings growth of 6.18% huh. in the tech sector.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that justifiable to anybody <laughs> at this
2: table? No.
0: I mean, we wound up at the no. you know end of the year with a price-to-earnings ratio 28, 28 times earnings is what people were willing to pay. Right. So for a buck in, in earnings, I'm going to give you 28. Right. And I I mean,
2: it's expensive.
0: Yeah. Here we go. Instead of the the flat one dollar, we got a a buck six now. Right. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's there's a lot of things to talk about. If you look at uh, over the past month, uh, some of the things that I've talked about on the air before and how I look at the economy and and, uh, kind of health measures in the economy. Uh, one of them is that valuation um, I do it a little bit differently it's not the price to earnings ratio but earnings yield which is basically the the inverse it's earnings divided by price and then I take uh, inflation out of that anytime it gets below two meaning that um, you know you you take that earnings yield uh, which right now is somewhere around four uh, a little over four um, you take point. Three to two point five percent away from that from for uh uh the uh, the inflation and now we are below two that's kind of a warning signal so the valuation coming into two thousand twenty in my book was uh was pretty stretched um while the the yield curve was looking a bit healthier. Uh, from its ugliness at the end of um, August of last year,
2: right. uh, it
0: it uh, reverted so to that. Yeah. Yeah. So now the one month, two month, three month, six right. month treasuries are all yielding more than the ten year treasury. I mean gotcha. it's not the classic inversion
2: but that's but an, it's inversion. Still an inversion right
0: that's an inversion of the yield curve so you know another one of those big warning signs the only one and it's been it's been the bellwether of this whole uh, <laughs> economic recovery for years now has been employment and uh, you know we've seen very few if any signs of uh, slowdown in uh, the employment situation so um you know as as long as that sticks together. I've been saying mm-hmm. that um economic conditions should be okay. Uh well, and, and that is still the case.
2: If, do we think that's still gonna kinda mm-hmm. hold us steady through this and right. you know, are are we gonna survive the coronavirus even if it, you know, doesn't <laughs> yeah. come here?
0: Well, I mean corona has, has its own set of uh economic conditions that it creates. Uh when you have people that aren't allowed to go to work Uh, in China or wherever it might be I mean Italy's getting pretty ugly at this Mm -hmm. point as well Um, you know it 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 keeps them uh, China has become the manufacturer of the world so you know if if we all want to buy goods they have to be on the shelf so um, if if they don't get their uh, their situation cleared up relatively soon it could become uh, you know a bigger economic story so Mm Um, you know, is there anything to worry about? Absolutely, but there's almost always
2: <laughs> right. And to which
0: uh,
2: thing currently are we going to worry about?
0: Right. So, Melanie, I know you've had some calls. Melanie, mm-hmm. for those of you who might not know, is a uh, financial planner. That's her function. It's not necessarily her title, but <laughs> she is. Uh, she mm-hmm. she does financial planning for Hensler Financial. Jesse is uh, a tax person, and most of her phone calls lately are probably, "Hey, can you get my taxes done?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Favorite
2: uh, person this time of year. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> oh yes. Uh,
0: well, I've heard it called. I've heard other things. Anyway, but uh, Melanie, you've uh, you've no no doubt the phones rang a little bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. When we see volatility like this, and you know a couple down days, especially in a row, of course people get nervous. And so I had a call this week um, with a client, and we get these calls and have these conversations occasionally, um, you know, saying that they want to sell everything. And they don't want to lose anymore, and they're just nervous about what's happening. Um, you know, so it's, I understand the fear when that happens, that it's really hard to watch your money, you know, go down and to log in, and you see your accounts are falling, you're down a couple hundred thousand dollars, and yes, that can be very scary, but in this particular situation, the client doesn't need the money.
1: Yeah.
2: So, you know, it's and, easier said than done. To, and we
0: manage it that way on purpose, right? we right. You know, We Talk about the 10-year rule all the time, and that's absolutely, um, you know, the situation for this particular client. Most of the money they need in the next few years, if they need any at all from their assets, is in fixed income. It's in bonds. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll have you a dog of the week. Stick around. This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, we got a dog of the week this week. And, uh, you know, guys, we talked a little about coronavirus coming into this, but uh, it's not the only issue that we're having uh, globally at the moment. Pakistan earlier this year declared, you know, they're having an emergency because a plague of locusts. Oh Have you guys heard that? He, yeah. I haven't heard about
2: haven't this either. in particular. Yeah. yeah, it's been
0: probably two decades since they had major issues. But uh, they, hmm. there's been locust uh, plagues in the past. Uh, probably more recently than that, 2003, I think it was, there was one in uh, China. So hmm. China, neighbor to Pakistan, has mm-hmm. decided that they will come to the rescue. Oh, jeez and uh, the way they're going to help this is, I, I mean honestly this is going. i love i love well no it's not a virus <laughs> they're not going to do this uh they back in 2003 they learned that when uh you know when you have an outbreak of bugs a big hatch mm-hmm. we'll call it um that uh birds are the uh the favored okay. enemy
3: mm-hmm.
0: of the bugs that makes sense not chickens though Chickens okay. supposedly eat about 70 locusts per day, oh, wow. if given the opportunity. However, would you guess that ducks
2: hmm.
0: are more likely to eat about three times that? Oh, wow. So they uh, China, back in the day, took 30,000 ducks from one province and they lent them to... <laughs> The province next door, and uh, they were able instead of using pesticides and things like that, they mm-hmm. used a, an old organic approach and just let the ducks eat the bugs.
2: <laughs> I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, so now they're, they're 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 uh, prepping to do the same wow. for Pakistan. There are some issues with it. Um, ducks absolutely necessarily have to have water, mm-hmm. and right. Pakistan's kind of an arid desert kind of place, so uh, this could prove yeah. difficult. But, um, you know, it's it's not the first time that uh, Pakistani farmers have had issues. Um, over the last three years, there's been hardly any water. So they get water this year thinking yeah. that they're going to have a great right. crop, and here come the bugs to <laughs> down their crops. So uh, right. most of the crops in, in the affected area are, are decimated at this point anyway, yeah. but uh, they're trying to keep them from spreading further because um, what happens, and China's got their own interest in this, they're to the – east mm-hmm. of pakistan mm-hmm. and it seems that the the plague initiated in uh, east africa okay. so somalia kenya All north right. kenya has had some issues with it um yemen
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is the next I'm door really neighbor bad to at Pakistan? Right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I'm I'm I am too, Yana but <laughs> I, <laughs> I am too, but trust me, I did my homework I this could, time before could. I came in. So uh, what it seems like they're doing is trying to stop it before right. it gets to China. It's, so yeah. we'll give you mm-hmm. some ducks and let the ducks eat the bird, eat the
2: so the, you don't the come all and the and yeah, exactly. Us.
0: But uh, anyway, I thought it was pretty interesting. That
2: is interesting. That
0: uh, that is the approach that they're going to use. All things. Yeah. Well, Kenya's tried to to use some pesticide on them, but mm-hmm. they say that they they travel so quickly that
3: mm-hmm.
0: you spray the pesticide and they're basically and gone they're before. Yeah, they, I didn't realize it, but uh, <sighs> a plague of locusts can travel 60 miles per day. Oh, wow! So um,
2: who would have, have thought that they're just a pack of traveling bugs?
0: And that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you hear you hear old stories about plagues of locusts and how horrible mm, it was, right. but we got some modern day stuff going on as well. So yeah. anyway, I, uh, you know, in the world of technology, when, uh, when things seem to, uh, to, to be uh, all, all right. cures yeah. point to technology, not yeah. this time, simple solution. we'll just yeah. get the ducks just and go. go back to the ducks. That's right.
2: You know, but I wonder if that affects the way that they taste if you're, you know, eating a duck or chickens when they're eating these bugs. If their know, diet has any, you know,
0: You know, uh, it, it's funny you bring it up because <laughs> you can eat locusts.
2: Oh, really? In fact,
0: they, they have, uh, they're like 70% protein.
2: Oh, And then, okay. you know,
0: they have lots of fat in them supposedly sure. and lots of nutrients. Uh, well. Magnesium manganese (laughs) uh, but the only problem is they have found that they're high in cholesterol so Uh, they had an outbreak they they had an outbreak in uh, Israel a few years ago Uh of the same you know type of bug it's basically just a grasshopper but most grasshoppers act independently but for some reason, if there are large um, if there are large populations of these bugs, mm. they begin to act in swarms. So that's when they start migrating and, and right. eating, you know, lo- large fields of right. uh, agriculture at the same time. But huh. anyway, so...
2: Interesting. Uh, well, yeah. I don't plan to eat any locusts anytime soon, but, well, the, know, the, good the to folks, know if I ever need to.
0: The folks in Israel, actually, since they had been blessed with such a plague <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, decided that they would would do the same, and and they started eating them. In fact, some of the fancy restaurants developed Mm -hmm. some real nice recipes, and they say, just Mm -hmm. for those of you who might want to try it, the best way to cook the locust if you're going to eat them. (laughs) Melanie, you got your pen out?
2: Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I'll write this down. (laughs) We'll save this one for later.
0: The best best way to deal with it is you take a locust and you put it in boiling broth. You let it come to a boil. You clean them off, roll them in flour, and fry them.
1: Huh. And their cardiologists rejoiced for the new business. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I mean, you know.
1: Between Some the cholesterol and the fried. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but uh, they say a little caramel sauce on them, and they're delicious. Aww,
2: delicacy. Mm-hmm. No, thank yeah. you.
0: Yep. <laughs> Tastes like bacon, I'm sure.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. This mm-hmm. is a show about right. finance. Um, you sure? I
2: don't know. Well, we I could mean, keep talking you know, about the that. We're, we're
0: talking about plagues. It's you got to feed people as part of yeah, finance that's in some true. way. Economics, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but uh, we've got a situation we wanted to talk about this week, and uh It involves a a lady whose husband recently died, and uh, now her and her daughter, Avery, are working through uh, everything they need for this tax season. Uh, Marion's husband, Mike, always took care of their taxes and uh, met with the accountant. Mike's files are not quite as organized as uh, he led them to believe. Uh, Surprise, I guess.
3: (laughs) Um,
0: Now that Marion's on her way, uh, what can she do to stay on top of taxes? This sounds like something right in the wheelhouse of Jesse. Um, Marion's 67, still works full-time. She earns around uh, almost six hundred or $60,000. Uh, Mike was uh, the breadwinner of the family, so she's got whole lots of changes, it sounds like, mm-hmm. in, in uh, Marion's life.
1: So I I guess there are kind of two sides to it. So I'll start with their um, personal tax side, but then there's also um, any estate issues that may arise with with his passing. Um, So from a personal standpoint, you know, taxes are becoming easier after that big law change in 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. For most families, you know, the standard deduction is now actually the standard. Right. in the year of somebody's death, if you were married, you still get to file married filing jointly, which means that unless Marion and her husband's itemized deductions exceeded around twenty-four thousand, then um, she doesn't have to track all of that. It'll just be the income. Right. Um, and if if they can get above that amount, you know, it's it's any medical um, that exceeds seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income between doctors' visits, copays, hospital stays. Um, surgeries, prescription drug costs, $10,000 of state and local taxes between your either income tax or sales tax, your real estate taxes and ad valorem taxes on your cars, um, your mortgage interest on up to $750,000 of mortgaged property, and then charitable deductions, both cash and non-cash. So, you know, if, if her situation requires... That she would just need to have the documentation to prove those itemized deductions out. Um,
0: Jesse, I, I assume it would be pretty rare for somebody in, a, you know, making less than sixty thousand dollars a year to have twenty four thousand in deductions.
1: It, it could be. Um, it, it depends, though. You know, it, since he passed away, mm-hmm. depending on the circumstances of his death, it could have been a I large guess. medical bill. Yeah, um, I can see that. You know, and and we don't know what his income was. So it, if he was the breadwinner, it could be that he was making substantially more Um, but you're you are correct at about 60,000 we would usually expect to see kind of that standard deduction taken and that's
0: I mean that's common even beyond that level of income right it's Mm -hmm. gotten to where that is uh like you said coming into this thing that uh it is it is the most common uh used just write down mm-hmm. the 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 standard deduction and don't itemize.
1: Yes, it is definitely a more common. If you think you're going to be close to the line, though, um, it may be worth talking to your CPA to see if they can help you get right above that. It could be that, you know, instead of giving to charity this year and next year, they could have you double up that giving in one year and see if you can bump over the standard deduction limit every other year. Um, so yeah. you take take the government's handout of 12000 one year, See if you can get over it the next by doubling up those expenses.
0: Yeah, and somebody that, I mean, charitable deductions quite often are given without, uh, you know, the thought of uh, of a tax mm-hmm. deduction. Uh, you know, charitable giving is not necessarily tied to the taxes. Right. Quite often people give to their church or some civic mm-hmm. organization that they just have a passion for, right?
1: Right, but, but to the extent that your church, you know, is okay with you saying, okay, this year I'm going to make my charitable donation in December and I'm going to make all of next, or I guess rather this year's I'm going to make in December, but last year's I made in January. So you you try Mm -hmm. to lump it into one one calendar year.
0: I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that makes perfect sense to to deal with some of those in that manner. Um, Well, I'm sure that there might be a few other things that we need to cover on this, so um, when we come back, we can do so. Um, In the meantime, if I can get my finger touching (laughs) the right button, uh, I will play us some music and get out of here. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
2: When you have money, you start investing in your future. When you start investing in your future,
0: you start worrying you'll make mistakes. When you start worrying you'll make mistakes, you can't sleep at night and watch infomercials. When you watch infomercials, you think you can get rich by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. When you place tiny classified ads in newspapers, you subscribe to those papers to make sure your ad is running. When you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, they pile up at your house, making it look like you're not home. When you look like you're not home, Girl Scouts don't come to your door. When Girl Scouts don't come to your door, you don't get to buy Girl Scout cookies. Don't miss out on Girl Scout cookies. Mm -hmm. Get rid of get-rich-quick schemes from infomercials and upgrade to Money Talks.
3: This is Money Talks.
0: We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jessica Thomas. Jesse Thomas. You prefer Jessica, i think.
3: yeah.
1: I'll answer to either.
0: Either one, yeah.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. All
0: right, and uh, we've also got Melanie Wells with us, and uh, we would never want to miss Girl Scout cookies since it is the season. (laughs) Oh, I know.
2: I think that's the first time I've heard that one, or at least that I've paid attention and I like it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, (laughs) Although
2: I did miss out on the Girl Scout cookies this year somehow.
0: Oh, go to Kroger. I'm sure you walk out the door and you will be inundated. Isn't that the
2: way it is? that's true. I'm sure that I can get my hands on some.
0: Yeah, there's probably somebody around this office that... I know. And, uh, well,
2: that's what I missed out those. on. I think mm-hmm. I yeah. forgot to respond to the emails, and here we are. I'm clueless. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bad spot to be in.
0: Uh, if you would like to talk to us or ask us a question, have us answer anything you've got going on, whether it be tax related, financial planning, uh, investing, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call on our question hotline one eight five five four two nine nine one six six is the number. You call that number. You'll get a recording uh, at the prompt. You leave your question. Uh, we'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770 429 9166. Ask for the radio show or for Kelly Lynn, and uh, she, being our producer, will get you, um, get us your question, and um, we'll be happy to answer it. On the air again, and uh, if you prefer not to call at all, you can email us at drgenehensler.com. That's d r g e n e at h e n s s l e r dot com. Uh, just send the email. Tell us what you'd like to uh, what you'd like to have us answer on the air, the question you have, and uh, we'd. Uh, we'll do just that. Um, if you'd like to just try your hand at answering it yourself, we've got lots of information downloaded on our website, Hensler.com, spelled in the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can go check it out. And um, if you can't answer that, then you can always call that number that I gave you, 770-429-9166. You can ask for Melanie if you need uh, financial planning. Ask for Jesse if you got tax questions. And, um, they will help you individually as always. We're here to help. help. That's right. All right. So, um, when we were talking just a few minutes ago about, uh, Marion's situation, uh, her husband passed recently. Um, you know, there's lots of things that she needs to consider now that she's the one who's going to be talking to the tax preparer this year, but, uh, she's got an estate, Mm
3: -hmm. uh,
0: tax return as well. And, uh. You know, Jesse. What well, maybe? What prompts that?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of it is depends on how um, her husband had his financial situation set up before passing. Um, you know, was the money in a trust? If it was, was it revocable? Um, since they were married, you know, it, it kind of lessens the burden. Um, since she will be filing a final joint return, there is no final return that's separately needed for the deceased. Um, but there still may be an estate return if he had assets held in his name only and, and the will dictated where they went. Um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a good point to talk to the lawyers, talk to a CPA, see what extra filing requirements there may be, um, between trusts and, and an estate return, um, outside of his last individual return. Um,
0: but it, it basically it's uh, a lot of it is the way that the way the family is set up and mm-hmm. and um uh, whether or not you know there's there's complicating issues i guess we right. could call it
1: um but i mean even even you know if he doesn't have to file a return you know or they don't have to file a return for his estate it's a good time to also talk to your financial advisor you know if he held assets on his own they all should receive a step-up in basis, um, which could mm-hmm. impact Marian down the road when she goes to sell one of those assets. Right. Um, and, and knowing those issues up front before you're trying to sell is always the best time to kind of take care of that and, and make sure everything's in line. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So you could be dealing with several things when it comes mm-hmm. to the assets. Uh, if he had an IRA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: an IRA can only be held by an individual, right? Mm -hmm. So, you're not going to have, I mean, that won't be seamless, Melanie. Right, and somebody like you would have to. In
2: theory, he should have had a beneficiary designation on his IRA. It's uncommon for there not to be one, and it was most likely his spouse, Marian, so she should have received that IRA. And as his spouse, she can essentially assume it
1: to be her own IRA at this point. Yes, and is exempt from that SECURE Act that's kind of been going around, um, which (laughs) Mm -hmm. applies to the non-spousal IRA. Right. 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 That just started in the
0: last year, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. If he had left the IRA, you know, as a beneficiary, as his daughter, then that would Mm -hmm. be a completely different issue, especially if he died in 2020 now. So 2019, it still would have been the old rules before the SECURE Act, but now if he had left that beneficiary as his daughter, Mm -hmm. she would have only 10 years to take... Take the entire amount out of
1: the account, right. and so
2: that can be a huge, you know, depending on the value of the account, that could be a huge tax burden on her. Right. right.
1: Um, uh, but even outside of an IRA, you know, if if they jointly owned their home, if they owned a home, um, there there may be the need to have it have an appraisal done. Um, if it was if they purchased it for a hundred and the fair market value on the date of death is three hundred. She gets half of that as a step up in basis, that gain um, for his half.
0: Right. Um, and if they've held it for very long at all, that could be a very it, real possibility. It really could
1: right. be. And
2: especially now if she's single, she only has, you know, lesser amount of the gain to exclude from her, mm-hmm. I guess, capital gain if she uh, were to sell it. Or if yeah. she doesn't get married again and mm-hmm. then sells it in, you know, 10 more years or something. Right. right. So
0: investment accounts where um, where Marion would be the beneficiary are going to be passed without any sort of legal issue, Right. That goes right to them. there's no probate of that
1: right as long as long as the designations were set up, and you know and it's it depends on the type of account as long as she was the beneficiary on something that passes outside the will, no problems as long as she is included on the will or it was jointly held. No problem. Um, right. The problem may come if if he had been married before, say, and the will says everything goes to my wife, but he never updated those beneficiary designations on his IRA, uh. um, mm. which passes outside of the will and would not go to her.
0: Right, that would be right, a and real we've mistake.
1: definitely yes. seen
2: that happen. I know. You know it's very important to check your beneficiaries, and I like to say to do it. Um, you know, when the time changes. So when we have daylight savings, it's twice a year. So mm-hmm. just check your beneficiaries twice a year. There you year.
0: go. You know what? You're going to have to change that soon. Right. I think we're going to get this away. state. I know. Yeah, yeah. The state of Georgia is talking about changing I think
2: that. We're, we get to vote on it, right?
0: That's what they're saying. We'll yeah. see. All right. So back to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, that that kind of is what may impact her um, if he had trust set up, everything like that. But, the the laws are so complicated and differ so much based on the legal language that it's, it's really a good practice to talk to the attorney, talk to the CPA, make sure that all of the filing requirements are handled on the front end. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. – Consult your professional.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. And she
2: definitely should being, you know, newly single to make sure all of her beneficiary designations are updated because if she still has him listed Mm -hmm. and now he's deceased, that could become a problem, too, if she doesn't have the right, you know, successor beneficiaries in place.
0: Yeah. So, Melanie, can you imagine a reason why the portfolio might need to be tweaked?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, depending on if they were the same age or if, you know, they were vastly different ages you know their liquidity needs may be different now you know with him being the breadwinner and she's not earning as much she may need to pull some from the portfolio whereas beforehand if they were completely invested in stocks you know according to our ten-year rule we would want to sell some of that and provide some liquidity now
0: right. so and there's
2: definitely some portfolio considerations yeah
0: just as well flesh out the tenure rule a little bit uh, basically the, you know any assets that you've saved for retirement or whatever comes next uh, if you're going to need them within the next 10 years, we generally like to remove them from the volatility of the stock market. Mm-hmm. Stock market by putting them in fixed income investments that mature. Not just a fixed income bond. We're not talking about. I mean, not a fixed income mutual fund. We're mm-hmm. not a bond fund. We right. buy individual bonds that mature uh, with the, the maturity amount and timing to match the timing of those expected spending needs exactly. and it kind of gives you a little bit of respite when uh, when the storm blows like right. it is recently yes. and
2: that's the reason for it is if she needs money tomorrow I don't want to have to sell today when the market's down right. so we want to you know kind of get ahead of that and plan for it and do that in advance
0: yeah and then anything that's not needed in the next 10 years we Put it in the stock market because history tells us that uh, it's the best place to be to grow your wealth.
2: Let it ride.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break here. When uh, we get back, we'll answer some more financial questions. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Back, Bye. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jesse Thomas and Melanie Wells. and uh, We've got a few things we'd like to cover. Before we uh, get out of here, if you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Uh, you can call and get a human being if you give us a call at 770-429-9166. Or you can email us at drgene@hensler.com. at That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, you can always go to our website as well and maybe do a little research for yourself and answer your own question, but we'd love to hear from you and help you through that process. Uh, Melanie can be reached at that same number, 770-429-9166. Call, ask for Melanie Wells, and they'll hook you up. Uh, you can get Jesse through the same number if you've got tax questions. <laughs> so, Melanie on the financial planning side, Jesse on the tax side, and you don't even want to talk to me.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, I don't anyway. know. i got a
2: lot of clients I could send to you these last few days. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure.
0: I usually like to talk to folks in mass. Uh, you yeah. know, And usually what I do is I'll listen to... All of our associates, and they'll tell me, hey, this is a real big topic right now. Why don't you send out an email and tell folks what you're thinking? Uh, But I do get on phone calls from time to time and talk to folks about what's going on. Don't mind that either. All right, so um, we've got a question here from our good friend Ed Kelly who writes, During a significant correction, a mutual fund may need to sell a lot of holdings to meet customer withdrawal demands. So for investors who own shares in a taxable account, they would have a lot of capital gains to declare and pay taxes on. The investor would get the tax bill, even though he, uh, he sees his account balance having gone way down, maybe even way up. Um, I'm not smart enough to know this. He says, I heard it years ago on your show. Um, but uh, his question is, are ETFs in the same boat? And the answer is, yep. Yep. They are uh, the way that you get taxed on a mutual fund. Basically, the portfolio behind the scenes that you have bought into uh, is is traded when uh, some investors want out. And that usually does happen when markets sell off. Uh, You'll see people that want to liquidate their their um, position um, in doing so, the mutual fund company actually would have to pay taxes on that money if they don't send it through to you, the ultimate holder, via a dividend. And you'll get a, if you get dividends from the fund, or whether it be an exchange-traded fund or a mutual fund, uh, there can be tax consequences. So if they have gains within that fund, you know, say you haven't, nobody's sold off for a long time. Like, maybe since 2009, since we're mm-hmm. talking about a real-life mm-hmm. example, um, you know, we've we've had pretty smooth sailing since then. Uh, got significant gains in most all mutual funds. Uh, when people start selling, the fund itself has to sell to provide them liquidity so that they can get out and go away. Now, exchange-traded funds, it's less likely that you're going to have that scenario because, you know, the... the uh, the trust itself is created by by a uh, pool of stocks and it's you know the trading is done inside that and you know one shareholder is not forced uh forcing the fund company to buy back their shares directly so it's less likely but it can happen basically when you get a dividend you'll also get a um you know a statement a tax statement that says this was income meaning it was from a dividend uh that was gained on the portfolio itself or it could be a short term gain or it could be a long term gain mm-hmm. so in either case you know it, unless you're holding that uh ETF or mutual fund in a um, in a tax free account or a tax deferred account mm-hmm. uh you're probably going to have a little bit of a tax issue which means you just have to pay the tax on your your uh, dividend, your short term, or your long term gain, and they're all taxed differently. Jesse, you're mm-hmm. the pro on that.
2: <laughs> well, and this is whether or not you like it, too. So, That's when right, you're yeah. either paid mm-hmm. out, you have no control over right. what's coming to you, so you can't decide. Right. Um, and
1: a lot of times, those rates depend on what else you have going on in your life, which the fund or ETF doesn't know about. You know, mm-hmm. it, it could be the difference between 0% long term rates or 20%. Right. right
0: now, there is a strategy that some people use, especially with mutual funds, because when that dividend is paid out, the price of the of the fund will decline, and now you could have a loss yourself that you mm-hmm. could then sell. Uh, you know, after the loss is realized in the market, you could you could go and realize it on your your uh, tax records, meaning that you sold. Uh, you take the the uh, loss. But you still got a dividend. Right. Right. But you pay the pay the tax on the dividend, which is basically the same amount,
1: mm-hmm. right? As long as it's qualified.
0: Right. And and you know, you move on. So uh there are ways that you can manage your taxes using these funds, but you know, if I just wanted to be simplistic, Ed, your <laughs> answer is
2: yep. <laughs> yep.
0: All right. So uh we've got another question we wanted to cover here and um This one comes from, if I can find my place again, here we go. Kathy from Marietta says, I've inherited my father's collection of coins and stamps. Uh, He was an eclectic man for sure. But now I need to know about investing in collectibles. Collectibles (laughs) have their own uh, set of issues. Mm -hmm. Melanie, do you ever run across anybody with... uh,
2: We do, yeah, especially when it's inherited like this. You know, we don't really see it quite as much of people kind of going and buying art or buying coins, that kind of thing. But a lot of times they do inherit it. Um, So it's not, you know, super common, but it definitely does happen. Though we don't, you know, really kind of take these into consideration when we're looking at your assets either, though, because they are fairly subjective. They're hard to kind of actually get a you know, of true value on, I think.
0: Yeah, and they tend to be illiquid. Right. Often.
2: You have I mean, to find somebody that wants to buy what you have. And, right. you know, I think sometimes the value of these is what are they willing to pay for it if yeah. it's not,
1: you know, a, I don't know, highly desired item. Right. And, and, and that comes in terms of the taxes, too, especially in this situation where she's inheriting um, because she would receive that step-up in basis. To the value on the date of death, but if it's so illiquid that you can't find a value on the date of death or somebody who's willing to put that appraisal behind it, you know, your tax consequence could change vastly when you decide to sell, and they do sell at 28%. Um, which is above long-term capital gain rates. So. Right.
0: So, Jesse, that's a great question that I just thought of. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Uh, the, the thing that I wonder is if uh, if you're going to get an appraisal, does mm-hmm. it have to be a written appraisal, or can you just call the coin shop down the road and say, hey, what do you think this is worth?
1: I mean, I'm going to give the tax answer. It depends. It's going to be better <laughs> if it's written because then if you're ever audited, you have that value. Whereas if you call the shop and, you know, Joe the coin guy says... Yeah, I'll buy it for X, and he won't give that to you in writing. You have nothing to back up that value with the IRS if they come knocking.
2: Mm-hmm. So All right, if so if you it's, do sell it, then it would be hard to mm-hmm. kind of track that back and see and find out. Well, this is what he said back when I, you know, right. got this done years ago. But right, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, you know, at that point, then you're kind of you're kind of out of luck because it's it's hard to prove right so many years down the road. And you know, those things. Like almost everything else, collectibles have a season, and then they have a season when they don't work well at all, right? Mm-hmm. So you know they might have spurts of growth. Uh, you might you might uh, inherit it, and you know somebody says it's worth a thousand bucks, and Five years later, you go and talk to them, and they'll buy it from me for five hundred bucks, right? right? So, or five thousand like, bucks. It's like hard to say. the Beanie Babies. Uh-huh. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> we all thought the Beanie Babies yeah. were going to be worth so much money, and I'm yeah. pretty sure we still have a box of them somewhere. Mm-hmm. And right,
0: right. Well, important. Melanie, back to your point. Uh, one of the reasons that I I think that it's wise of us, you know, not to put too much faith in uh, retiring on a collectible is it's kind of like buying commodities too uh they they go by the the bigger fool theory right you have Mm -hmm. to find if you own this asset they don't give you any sort of cash flows along the way right you have to find that one payout Mm -hmm. uh and we always call it you got to find a fool bigger than yourself to buy Mm -hmm. the stuff and and become the new owner right exactly so
2: not really worth kind of counting on as yeah. Your retirement money.
0: Absolutely. So when when we uh, try to work through folks' investments, we want to have something that we can liquidate, turn into cash quickly, and and move along. Well, folks, that's uh, about all the time we have. I guess we can ask this week. What do you guys think? Market up this or down? Is
2: tough. I don't
0: know. I'm, I'm going to say up. So I want it to be right. up. I always say up. Whether it's there we go. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week.